Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we review the potential outcomes of the US midterm elections, how they could play out, and what they might mean for markets and investors. With Phil Attreed, Head of Wealth Specialists, Sean Markovitz, Investment Strategist, and Samina Chowdhury, Portfolio Manager. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Word on the Street. It's good to be back in the host chair and standing in for Sarah, but equally great to be joined by our experts, Sean and Samina. So Sean, uh, to start with, the news headlines are really showing no sign of calming fears on a number of different fronts as we head into the end of the year. And it's been another challenging week to navigate for investors as well. So maybe if you can just summarize the key events in markets over the course of the last week. Absolutely. So to start with, I have to say there's you know been quite a pronounced wave of optimism gripping markets this week, starting with the UK, of course, where you know Rishi Sunak was confirmed as prime minister. The pound strengthened, government borrowing costs fell, as it seems like investor confidence in response to the news has been somewhat uh, regained um, after what has been you know clearly a tumultuous few weeks in financial markets. But, you know, I think that when we stand back and look at the broader economic outlook for the UK, it still remains highly uncertain with inflation at 10 percent, mortgage rates have tripled versus a year ago. So Sunak is coming to power at a very difficult time. And, you know, ultimately, we don't really think that the new government materially changes the macroeconomic environment for the UK. Monetary policy is really what concerns us as investors in the path that lies ahead. Across the pond, moving on to the U.S., uh, we learned this week that U.S. house prices fell by 1.3% in August. That was their largest monthly decline since the global financial crisis in 2008. And this is a big deal because house price inflation is the reason why rent inflation has been so high in the U.S. And it's been flagged as a real concern among policymakers. But the fact that it's rolling over has given investors a big boost of hope. Um, bond yields fell strongly on the news and currencies such as the euro and the yen strengthened as the interest rate differential between the U.S. and those markets narrowed. And then, you know, on, on the stock market front, things were also looking quite rosy. Um, they were up this week again on the back of uh, another better than expected earnings season. Around 75% of companies beat their earnings uh, consensus estimates, which for the record is roughly the average historically as the estimates tend to be quite conservative, giving a lot of leeway for companies to always beat that estimate. So actually, it's roughly the average it's been historically. And also, it's worth pointing out that throughout history, markets tend to rally during the earnings season. So I really wouldn't be seeing this as you know anything more than the usual pattern that we would expect during earnings season. Great. I'll come back to earnings season with Samina a little bit later on. But sticking with the US, uh, we're a couple of weeks away now from the US midterm elections. And of course, we could see a little bit of a pickup in news flow on this topic in, in, in that period. Sean, what are, the, what are the different potential outcomes for these elections? So it's actually not been something that we are hearing a lot of uh, discussion around on, on the market front. Um, but what we know is that betting markets and polls suggest that a divided Congress is the most likely outcome. And this is where the Democrats would lose their majority in the House of Representatives, 
while retaining uh, control in the Senate. And historically, the party of the president has tended to lose control of the House during the midterm. So this isn't really an outcome that would surprise us if it comes to materialize. The second but less likely outcome is a blue wave where the Democrats retain control of all government branches. And then the third outcome, which is even more unlikely if you look at polls and betting markets, is where the Republicans actually gain control of both houses of Congress. Okay. And, you know, how have investors responded to previous midterm elections? Do these, do these play a big role in investing? Well, surprise, surprise, they really don't. I mean, if you look historically, you know, stock markets have rallied following midterm elections, regardless of whichever political party is in power. So to me, it suggests that this really isn't something that's going to be moving markets. But that doesn't mean that the path will be smooth. So for example, in the event of a divided Congress where the Democrats lose control of the House, the resulting gridlock that it could generate could mean that there's potentially less policy risk because there's a higher hurdle to get legislation passed. And so as a consequence, you might see less market volatility. But on the other hand, there's also that risk of fiscal brinksmanship. You know, we saw that play out in 2011 during the government shutdown. And I think that that's a risk that you know could resurface. So overall, the impact on market volatility from a divided Congress, I think, is somewhat ambiguous. Now, in the event of a blue wave, one potential scenario is that bond yields could start to rise once again as markets could price in further fiscal spending from uh, Biden's Build Back Better plan, of which quite a few policy items are, are yet to be implemented and, and discussed. So there, you know, there's a lot of scope for more things to be put through Congress. And then at the same time, the energy sector is, is an area that could come under pressure. And this is because the White House has considered congressional proposals that could tax oil and gas producers' profits in order to provide a benefit to consumers struggling with higher energy prices. So those are the things that I'm looking out for. But, you know, on balance, I don't really see this as a, as a market moving event. I suppose on a more medium term basis, if we just develop that a little bit, you know, we've spoken previously about political, you know, or potential impact of various political goings on. Often a lot of that has, has in more recent times been a lot closer to home. But historically, has it really mattered to markets which US political party has been in power for, you know, over the more medium term? This is, I think, the question that a lot of investors want to know? And the simple answer is no. You know, stocks have generally performed well, regardless of the makeup of Congress, regardless of which political party is governing, whether it's Democrats or or Republicans. And to just give you one stat, on average, the stock market has yielded around an 8% per year return throughout both Republican and Democratic presidencies. So it really doesn't matter. Uh, looking ahead, I think the more important driver of stock returns continues to be monetary policy and the rising risk of a recession. And I think that's what investors should really be worried about. And Samina, turning to you, I mean, inflation, you know, lots of headlines still there. It still seems to be remaining stubbornly high in, in many areas, particularly of the developed world. I mean, it's not lost on anyone that interest rates are rising. I think we can all feel that ourselves um, at home and abroad. Uh, and economic demand equally is showing some signs of waning as well. So, you know, what kind of companies um, are the fund managers that you speak to day in and out? What kind of companies are, are they looking to add to portfolios in, in that kind of environment? 
Hi, Phil. Yes, we're seeing quite a few headwinds facing stocks today. Um, but it's important to remember that the overall position for, for most of our managers is driven from the bottom up on a company by company basis with a focus on the long term. They will obviously take into account many of the economic concerns which you've alluded to when they're evaluating existing and potential holdings. But in the long term, it makes sense to not try and second guess the market. So what's important for our managers is to have companies with pricing power, strong balance sheets, and and having that competitive edge. And these characteristics help to support the inelasticity of demand for for some companies' products, which is especially important in environments um, like like this one, where many companies are confronting um, demand destruction at this stage of economic cycle. So as we continue to navigate through this environment, um, a focus for our managers on identifying companies, not just with pricing power, but those with profit resiliency, growth opportunities to reinvest, um, can drive longer term fundamental success, which is what our managers focus on. And our managers have actually been pleasantly surprised at how much pricing power US companies have so far. There is obviously a limit, so our managers have been focusing on this even more so this year. And they're seeing exciting opportunities across multiple sectors. So to name a few, for example, consumer staples is one. And many of these companies should see resilient demand. They have been under earnings given commodity inflation, despite having pricing power, but they should be able to attain price increases given the stable demand for necessities and seeing margin expansion as input cost deflate. Healthcare is also an interesting area. So far this year, the defensive nature of this sector has been their dominant story. And within healthcare, the year's best performing stocks have fallen across subsectors, such as pharma, the distributors, as well as managed care. And, and these industries are generally able to pass on price increases and benefit from, from steady demand. There's always going to be a need for ongoing medication, which supports strong free cash flows in, in the pharma area. And within managed care, insurance companies have been able to raise premiums in response to higher costs. That said, rising costs and COVID-19 disruptions have been challenges for some areas of the sector, but our managers have been focusing on the fundamentals of their business and the long-term prospects. Sean mentioned um, housing. So our managers are actually seeing opportunities within this sector as well. For example, leading installers are seeing improved pricing power. Also, industrials and innovative technology are other areas of the market which are looking attractive at the moment. Okay, and you know you both touched on it there around um, earnings season. So we're we're a good couple of weeks, as Sean mentioned, into the third quarter of earnings season, and that's the period, obviously, where companies report back to investors on how their businesses are performing. But what are fund managers expecting will happen to profit margins, which I think is probably a key area of focus for many. Given the longer term perspective, our managers will take usually three to five years. Quarterly results and forecasts are generally not a main focus of theirs. However, they certainly pay attention to quarterly reports to firstly see if they confirm or refute any of their longer term investment thesis. And secondly, they provide an opportunity to buy sell companies if the market has seemingly over or under reacted to current events. They are still in the early rounds of earnings season with no surprises so far. And um, I mean, one area where, where we have seen uh, a lot of reporting so far are the large U.S. financials, and here results have been very strong. You know, they're seeing net interest margin, low credit costs, stronger balance sheets, and good cost control. Um, but so, bank fundamentals, like most of the cyclical industries, are expected to decline in the event of a recession. But bank valuations already discount a recessionary environment. 
So some of our managers have been invested in, invested in the better capitalized banks that should be able to take share in such an environment. Overall, yes, there has been some compression of profit margins, in part due to input cost inflation, and in part because of waning demand given the squeezed consumer. This isn't across the board, and there have been a number of companies that have demonstrated very strong pricing power to more than compensate for increased costs, but these are in the minority. Importantly, there is usually a lag between the cost inflation and the higher prices to the end client, so margins will be impacted. More often, companies have faced rising costs, so for example, raw materials, labor, energy, and being able to only partially pass them through. There are some costs like freight rates, which are starting to come down to more normal levels, but wage pressures and interest expense will continue to be a headwind for some companies. I mean, interestingly, one of my managers was telling me earlier in the week that Microsoft talked about energy cost increases pressuring its Azure cloud business. And as for demand, that too is facing headwinds as both consumers and businesses look to tighten their pocketbooks. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Samina. Really useful insights there. And thanks, Sean, for your thoughts on markets as well. Leaves me to thank our listeners for joining us this week. We'll be back with another edition of Word on the Street next week for you. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.